0: So we were talking the other day uh, off the podcast about just you know how how we'd like to see some other kind of people from the older period of Star Trek get into this new this new period of Star Trek the Sun. Uh, I think actually this also might be the first time we've recorded since it officially is oh, Paramount it's, Plus it's, now. It's
1: Paramount Plus now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we've been talking about that. And Does that, do you think that,
1: I guess I haven't looked enough into it, what all did they, this, we can talk about that off the air, I guess this is a whole separate side conversation to the already side conversation that this is, well supposed no it's to be. fine, so, it's never fine, mind. We'll-
0: No, no. Say what you're gonna say. That's actually another another thing I want to talk about too. Is I think like we only have like I don't know. I'm listening to podcasts and I'm like, what you know, what do I like about these podcasts? And I like a tangent, so like let's just talk about whatever we want to talk (laughs) about. Let's run with it. Yeah.
1: Um, I was just gonna ask what. So what properties does did they like? Because it it was CBS then combined with like various other kind of bigger libraries of stuff, right? Like what what did they add when they became Paramount Plus? Is it just a bunch of Paramount films
0: or? I don't think they really added very much at all, actually. I haven't done a lot of research on it, but like it, the... It's still pulling from the same basic uh, amount of stuff that it was already there because, like, they okay. like it's CBS All Access was was already like the Paramount app because, like, I know that there was already like, say, SpongeBob on there from Nickelodeon and stuff like that. So, okay, I, I think they might have pulled in a couple new things, but I think mostly what they did is they rebranded and then I think that they like launched a few new, um, a few new like originals, originals. like okay, along al- along with it. Like, I think that maybe they rebooted some like Nicktoons or like you know Nickelodeon shows or something like all that or I don't know I, I haven't I'm I'm not using the service right now and even if I was I, I was not other than Spongebob I was not a big uh, Nickelodeon watcher when I was a child so
1: yeah if you want to take a tangent on a tangent are you do you have feelings about the uh the like young Spongebob reboot or
0: oh I'm super I think that's a super bummer like not because like I mean I haven't watched like new Spongebob in many years but Stephen Hillenbrand the guy who created Spongebob uh, one of like the kind of the conditions he had for like Sticking with it and working on it and stuff is that they'd not make like spin offs and stuff uh, oh, basically. Really? and then he died a couple years ago and then they were like all right time to start churning out the spinoffs and i so i thought that was actually like pretty gross to be yeah that's also the animation looks bad but you know i that's it's rare that you'll find a a like 3d animated show for kids these days that i that i do think looks good but yeah so that's that's also a taste thing
1: yeah i just feel like i've you know i've seen like ads and stuff for paramount plus and it seems like there's a little more than because cbs all access the advertising was basically just always we have star trek and the good and the good fight and yeah and young sheldon and the twilight zone they would show like one thing like one image from like the twilight zone and young sheldon and the good fight and then be like and look at all this star trek we have and that's yeah. really all we have to offer so i was wondering if paramount plush is kind of bringing more
0: it feels like they're really pushing like the nickelodeon part of it a lot that's what okay. i've been seeing is like a lot of spongebob branding and stuff so actually to bring it back to star trek
1: yeah, sorry that to... Is, that
0: is actually reaction. one thing, but before we go back to what I was actually going to say, originally, like, that is one thing that's, I know, that's changed, is they were planning on debuting Prodigy on Nickelodeon, and now they're going to debut it on Paramount+, Plus and then, like, air it on Nickelodeon later. Oh,
1: really? Kind of in of an games, attempt yeah. to get subscribers? yeah. so...
0: They still haven't announced when when uh, when that's happening. I, I think I read recently that s- some people are saying it's going to not be this year even. So I really don't know when they're going to, when we're going to get another Star Trek show. Even though I was reading another article where they said that what they would like to do eventually is to put out one new Star Trek show per quarter, which wow. feels like they're a long ways off from that right now. But obviously COVID. Uh, effect yeah that, I'm sure yeah so what i was saying before was that we, we were talking about how you know we'd like to get some more people from the old guard in on these new shows and you know we had talked about how no one who originated on ds9 and or who was like a cast a main cast member on ds9 has ever been seen again uh in in star trek and since
1: uh, since it ended yeah since DS9. like ended. there were a few crossovers while it was on the air at the same time as voyager or right next generation or that but
0: yeah i think just quark actually i think is like the only get yeah, quark you see quark in the pilot of voyager and yeah. yeah and then like and then when tng was on the air i think you, there you saw quark and like bashir maybe
1: uh, yeah in an episode. There's, there's at least one bashir appearance
0: but um yeah you know there's just not been a lot and then kind of thinking about that but also just thinking about how like one of the only actors that's had like a what you might call like a legit like movie acting career besides patrick stewart who's a star trek actor is call meany the guy who plays o'brien so i I was kinda of googling Col Meany recently. And um, right. a lot of the stuff that most most of the stuff that's about Col Meany now has been Star Trek related stuff, either asking like, would you come back on Picard if, if like you know there's an opportunity for you to come back on Picard, which he's kind of ambivalent about. And then also somebody asked him about that scene in uh Lower Decks, which is which oh, is yeah. I guess the only appearance of a DS of a DS Nine main character post DS Nine is the There's a scene at the end of one of the episodes of Lower Decks that that reveals that uh, Miles O'Brien is quote the most important man in Starfleet history. Right. And so, <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to tell you like, an, an interviewer uh, asked him about that. Like said like Are you aware of this? And told and told him like what it was. But he he kind of laughed. He's like, Wow, finally they finally got it right, huh? I <laughs> thought I I appreciate that. Mm ba 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 Hi everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard,
1: and I'm Brady Jungle.
0: And today we are talking about the Nagus, which is Deep Space Nine season one, episode eleven or ten, depending on your uh, how how your player counts that stuff. It uh, is the first, actually, the first episode of DS Nine that we've talked about where I had seen it prior to us watching it. Is that really? Yep. We haven't. So interesting.
1: That's that's surprising actually because you've gotten pretty far by now but we've always managed to keep just barely ahead of you
0: right because I think the last time we wa- we watched one I think was st- statistical probabilities if I want to say it's the last time we watched one and then Kim and I watched that one not very long after we watched it for the show okay and then and then yeah now now it's highly unlikely that we'll do another one because we're like one third of the way through the last season now so but yeah this episode was uh, written by Iris Stephen Bear who's kind of like the main show. Man who does who like, you know, was kind of the I would say probably the, the primary person responsible for ds Nine. And then uh story er, it, it was and then the story and uh direction was by David Livingston. This is also the first time we've done a episode, an episode of uh DS9 that featured the Negus, Grand Nagus Zek, who is played by Wallace John, who is a recurring character on um on DS9 and I who I like a lot. I'm curious, you know, what what's your impression of uh you know that he's in multiple episodes beyond this. Uh, I'm checking right now. I believe he's in he's in seven episodes of of DS9. oh Really? Wow! Yeah. So, what do you think of uh, what do you think of the Grand Nagus in this in this episode?
1: I mean, he's it's it's definitely very a very like Wallace John performance. I haven't seen him in a lot of things, but um, he does seem like kind of the perfect person for that character. Um, mm. And very much made it his own. I think he's, I, I feel like he, I, I could see him becoming a very like entertaining character that kind of steals the show whenever he shows up. I, I think this one was kind of a little bit kind of introducing him and, you know, he spends a good bit of it kind of not talking and then also a good bit of it not on screen. Um, sure. But when he, but when he yeah. is there, I feel like he definitely, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think he's, he's definitely, he's, a, he's very entertaining and, and very much, I guess, does a good job of embodying what you would imagine the head of all for. Rengi to be. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, actually, that's, that's, a good, that's another like, good, I think, way to kind of approach this. Because like I said, this is the first time I've watched an episode of the show that I've already watched. So what did you think of this episode? So I think like I like, as a whole, like, how did you feel about this episode? Because this is the kind of the first time that I've been watching the show where I'm like, all right, I've seen this episode before. I know who all these people are. It's it's like kind of like me returning to season one of the show in the same way that we kind of sometimes t- kind of talk about how watching early episodes of TNG. TNG plays better now that you've seen TNG? Like, how, mm-hmm. how did you feel about this episode? When total? you, like,
1: have a... Like, you have an attachment to the characters and, and that. Yeah. I would say I I enjoyed this one. I thought it was a nice kind of... And I, and I think this is something that sort of happened more in Deep Space Nine, definitely than in series... Like, any other series, but um, was... The sort of, you know, it's it's obviously a very quirk like Quark is the star of this episode, and all the other cast members sort of either have, like, one-scene appearances or, like, the B-plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just very, it's about Quark, and it's about the Ferengi, and I think gives a layer of depth to them that they didn't really have before Deep Space Nine, yes. when they were just kind of these, like, sort of, you know, B or C list villains that were like, they're the greedy ones. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I know I've read I've read things from uh, Armin Shimmerman, who, you know, before being Quark, had been in a couple of of episodes of Next Generation, just as like various Ferengi, but kind of made it his goal to like humanize, is obviously the the wrong word, but to to sort of give a depth to the Ferengi beyond being sort of a one dimensional thing and make them you know not necessarily like always the bad guy and not only like one note, but to have a degree of like depth th- through his character. And then I think they kind of expanded on that in this episode that like there's there's all this sort of interesting stuff going on in like you kind of want to know more about how the Ferengi work Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and their, their power structure. And, you know, you get to see these fun little like power squabbles between them that are always, you know, that it, it does always still come back to, to money and profit, but in a very, like a more complex way than, than they'd ever been portrayed before.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going to say is that I still think that they are largely one dimensional, but like, Rather than just kind of being like, oh, they're greedy, like the one dimension that they serve on this show, you know, obviously like there are some characters like Nog or uh, later on in the show, not really in this episode, but later on in the show, Rom and sometimes sometimes Quark, where they get to show a little bit more like depth. But like generally, I think that the show kind of like develops them as a more complex and kind of precise way to comment on like capitalism and like Amer- American like consumerism in particular that I really uh that I really like a lot uh, like like this is not this episode so I won't I won't talk about it too much but one of the last episodes I watched that was a Frankie episode is a pretty bad episode overall it's it it, it features uh Quark getting a sex change uh and it go, that goes uh, about as well as you might as you might think but the one thing that's really good about it is that basically you know kind of the the the, the subtext or like the, the undercurrent of this of that episode is that we don't, they don't talk about it too much in this episode but the women in on Fringinar, the home planet of the Frangi, they don't really have rights. Like they actually, they're not all. They're like legally not allowed allowed to wear clothes, and they can't like do business and and things like that. And for reasons that don't necessarily bear getting into right now, but you learn over the course of the show, like there is a kind of a, a movement to change that, but it still has a lot of uh, skepticism model among a lot of like the businessmen of Fringinar, and basically. The one of the, kind of the upshots of that episode, the sex chains episode, is that the way that that changes where women are allowed to like have more of like an actual citizenship role in Frankie society is that. Th- the businessmen are convinced to give it the approval because, be on, only because they've, they've, they're, they're, they realize that, like, oh, if women are allowed to have money, that means they can buy things. And, and <laughs> so, like, there's there's a lot of, like, really good stuff like that in a lot of the Ferengi episodes where it's kind of, like, we're just kind of talking about, like, how, how, like, capital kind of, like, interacts with, you know, human rights and, like, what kinds of things it makes people do. And, yeah, like, and I think that there's something, like, again, that episode was, like, not very good, but like there's, there's some really like good points in there just in terms of like, you know, it it reminds me of a lot of how like a lot of businesses over the last year have kind of adopted a lot of this Black Lives Matter stuff where it's like, I think it's obviously great to, I think Black Lives Matter, of course, and, and also I think that it's good that people are recognizing that, but it also is this thing of like people started like, like co- corporations started adopting it once they were like oh well it's not actually profitable for us if we don't do this you know where it's like the super bowl had like a black lives matter thing at this year and it's like that's it's <laughs> <that's laughs> pretty ironic. rich coming from the super bowl like we right. used to like have this big basically kicked colin kaepernick out of the league because he kneeled he kneeled during the the anthem and and you know it just generally speaking is a pretty vilely you know v- yeah. vile and racist organization you know i mean same thing with like it's it's like same thing with you know the the the, the Washington football team used to be called the Redskins and the only reason they changed it wasn't because of any like it's the right thing to do it was because I believe their their field sponsor is um, FedEx and FedEx was like hey uh, we're gonna not be your field sponsor anymore unless you change your name because we can't really be associated with us anymore you know and so it's like it's like it is a form of of social progress but it's also you you know it's it's like it's happening not because of anyone's actual pure motivations It's just happening because of this is like the way that they can process their their greed and there's a lot of like really good good frangy stuff i think like that that appears over the course of the show yeah but uh, this episode a little bit more basic than that but i still really yeah
1: i I feel like this one doesn't get quite into the doesn't comment on capitalism as much as just sort of tells a fun story with Mm -hmm. with characters that we know and a few that we don't but
0: yeah well let's take a sense let's uh let's talk about the um the main plot kind of first and then we can talk about the B okay. plot a little bit afterwards yeah because i also like the b plot too i thought it was the, the b, b plot. plot
1: yeah was it's i, I like how it turned out yeah. um it yeah we can get to that but there's there's basically kind of two yeah there's there's really two main plots. There's the A, the A and the B. The A plot is that the the Grand Nagus, who is the sort of, like, head of the Ferengi hierarchy, at least, I don't know if they, I'm not, I'm not sure if they have, like, if they separate politics and business, or if he's kind of the head of both, or just business, but is...
0: Yeah, he's the he- he's the head of state. He yeah. like the how he gets to be head of state is sort of nebulous. I, it's it's kind of like he is, but if people don't like him enough, then maybe they might stage a coup, and that's just kind of the way things go on Ferenginar. It seems, mm-hmm. but yeah, he is the head of state.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's kind of presented as like you know the part part of that is that he's sort of the like most shrewd businessman is probably the most wealthy of all the Ferengi. Kind of all that all those sort of things seem to kind of roll up together uh, for. Ferengi. Um, he also has very big ears and is old, um, but he, yeah, he's, it,
0: t- it took, uh, sorry, uh... It, I want I want to just get this in like apparently it took them three hours to put that makeup on Walshan oh every time gosh. and so it's it's pretty it, it was it was pretty <laughs> arduous <laughs> I, but I, I also, also the more you watch DS nine the more you re, like the more you kind of learn that like they they do a little bit in this episode where like at the end when Quark says that he didn't re, he didn't think Nog had the not uh, Rom had the lobes that like ear ear size and shape and ability is it's it's very valuable in uh Fringi, uh culture and also like. It's the, It's the source of of many different uh, euphemisms. Uh, so okay. I think him having big ear, big ears is like a a significant thing for them.
1: Yeah, and so he he has come to to Deep Space Nine to essentially sort of host a a meeting of many of the sort of most eminent business. Ferengi's to discuss the because um, this is you know this is pretty early on in the show and so this is fairly recently after the the, the Bajoran wormhole has been discovered. yeah Which I don't know if, if we've ever really got into that but basically it's I think in like the first episode there's a, a wormhole next to Bajor and Deep Space Nine which is a space station around Bajor mm-hmm. that opens up that goes between the Alpha Quadrant and the Gamma Quadrant which is sort of the The other side. We we have gotten into the confusing nature of the quadrants, but. But, but basically an area that no one from the Alpha Quadrant has ever been to. And so it's kind of this whole new, opens up this whole new range of worlds and species to kind of interact with. And so for the Ferengi, that's obviously a great business opportunity to be able to have all these new potential customers.
0: Especially because, as they as they say later on in the episode, they've cheated so many people in the Alpha Quadrant that some of their business opportunities have dried up.
1: Yeah, that kind of they don't have the bad reputation there that they've developed in the Alpha Quadrant by now. And so at this this meeting where they're kind of discussing this, the Grand, Grand Nagus decides that, or he announces, that he's going to retire and make Quark the new grand Negus to kind of oversee this expansion into the gamma quadrant and and so then there's you know several scenes of basically kind of quirk dealing with suddenly becoming the grand Negus and various people are trying either to sort of suck up to him or to threaten him and he's trying to figure out how to how to deal with this and also what make a profit and the the main kind of the main players or i other than, so the main players are rom are who's his sort of brother who's always been here on deep space nine with him and then the Negus's son who had come with him who is his name is cracks who's yes who's cracks and they kind of become his sort of closest advisors and then as and then the shortly after he kind of turns everything over to quark the grand negus dies like he's sitting in they're sitting in a room like him and quark are talking and he just I f- quark like turns away for some reason and he just kind of like slumps over
0: it's a you know to, to use another wallashan example it's it's not completely dissimilar from the way that vizini dies in uh in Princess Bride, where he just like is suddenly alive but he just keels <laughs> <Yeah>. over. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, uh, And so then because someone has died on Deep Space Nine, this is when Odo gets involved and starts to kind of investigate the death and if there was any foul play and starts to tail the Negus's sort of personal assistant that had been going around with him and then meanwhile quark is walking through the station and gets trapped by both rom and cracks working together trap him in an airlock and are about to sort of evacuate him out of the airlock and kill him
0: so you you cut out on me for uh didn't. like a, a few a few a couple minutes ago did you say oh, like that he's that he's been a assa- like there's been an assassination attempt on him already like that
1: oh right that's yeah because that's why odo kind of really gets involved that's right so it's is it at the the it's at the funeral that that happens or is it
0: right well some yeah someone threatens him like right away after the announcement and then yeah then at the funeral uh somebody sh- like tries to remote bomb him and he just happens to duck
1: coincidentally yeah because a a, at the right a, time. a coin like rolls across the ground and so he bends down to pick it up mm-hmm. which which made me wonder like was that was that like someone trying to was that coin like intentionally rolled across by someone no, like, who was trying so. to save his I, life or there just happened to be
0: I think that was just a coincidence I think I think it, I think maybe it like fell off of like the table where they were selling that what's that you know that's that's like one thing that that we learned about franicky culture in this episode is that once you're when you die your uh your body is basically like all all the moisture is removed and they sell they sell like your your body dust yeah i think i think like the coin fell off the table as a like commodity yeah where they were selling his his dust and um and then he just happened to bend over
1: okay yeah because and then this sort of like seeking bomb that was heading straight for his head he ducks and it flies overhead and blows up a wall and so then he becomes even more worried that someone's trying to kill him and in like a little side conversation we find out that it was actually ramen cracks that were kind of conspiring to to murder him because they were like oh no the bomb didn't work what are we going to do next and so they have him trapped in an airlock and are about to send him out and then odo arrives with grand nagus zek who he finds out was actually alive this whole time
0: he was in some kind of uh of like a trance that makes you appear dead right
1: and so they get odo out of the thing and zek says that all of this was really or they get sorry they get quark out of the out of the airlock and zek reveals that all of this was really had nothing really to do with quark but was a test for cracks for kind of if he would be a shrewd enough businessman to, to make the right sort of move here, which was that the real profit was going to not be being the negus and overseeing all of the trade. It was going to be being sort of setting up in Quark's bar and monitoring, sort of getting all the information. And mon- from all of the people that are coming and going from the from the Gamma Quadrant and that was where the real profit was. And the cracks by like trying to sort of make this power move to become Nagus showed that he was sort of like too short-sighted and not strategic enough to actually beca- like take over for Zek and be Nagus. And so Zek is like very disappointed in him and takes him to sort of train him for longer and is like well I guess I'll have to stay Nagus for even longer now.
0: And then Rom and Quark end up being fine because even though Rom uh, tried to kill Quark, Quark is basically like oh man you were you were ruthless you were bloodthirsty i didn't think he had the lobes for it so he was he's yeah, kind of he proud of him at the end yeah proud that he funny.
1: was actually about to to do something like that for his own benefit and profit which i mean i guess i don't know rom super well but this seemed pretty out of character yeah. for him like I, I get that you know it, that is kind of the point is that like yeah this is like a more sort of ruthless and shrewd thing than than you would have expected from rom but i feel like that it was almost a little like actually killing Quark is sort of a little bit further than i would expect him to ever take it i don't know you you would know more about this than i would but
0: yeah i think honestly like that that is like one of the things where i think there's a little bit of like the fringy culture as it relates to like american capitalism like where that like where it, it's it's almost like you know you where people where you where in 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 like our society like you kind of have these people who are like you know who are sharks who who we admire like their acumen and ruthlessness even though like that it comes at the expense of like human misery so like i do yeah i do kind of like like that that like bit at the end but you're right i i think this it's like clearly this is like very early on in the show and so they don't quite necessarily have all of the characters especially not like the side characters like rom uh who ends up being in like 30 some 30 some episodes of the show they don't have him like quite figured out because uh even even in this it's it seems like he's he's kind of like partially motivated by wanting the bar but also partially motivated by just how mean Quark is to him and yeah Quirk is just really kind of be really mean to better. him all the time like for like for, for like the entire show Quark is just really mean to him him. and that almost seems like a better motivation but but yeah, like the more you kind of... There's something else that kind of happens I think later on in season one and it's like after that like where, where, where Rom kind of saves Quark's life and I think after that they would never do this again because like kind of rom and nog both especially especially rom you kind of learn are like not your typical fringy people to I me mean, like they're not like like nog has a good business sense but he wants to do something else with his life and and Quark, or er, sorry and, and rom is not like stupid but he's he's just not a greedy man like he loves his family and and
1: yeah uh, i feel like his loyalty to his brother would like i could see him like i wouldn't be surprised by him like stealing from quark or maybe even like lying to quark, or like kind of like doing some like shady things behind quark's back for his own profit but I, him like going as far as killing quark seemed pretty yeah. good character
0: I, to be honest i actually forgot that that was a thing like when they when they revealed it, i was like oh well uh, what's the catch and then at the end it's like oh no catch he was really trying to kill him and i was like oh man i don't remember that at all because yeah because my my impression of rom now like rom is one of my favorite characters in dfs 9 because i think he really has like this really cool arc that kind of is about him realizing that like the stuff he was always which i think you can kind kind of like map onto this because like you know in this episode too kind of intermingling with the subplot like he he tells nog who is his son that he's not allowed to go to the like the the school the human run school that's on ds yeah
1: because because zek when they're kind of sitting down to dinner zek finds out that that nog is going to a human school and he's like you let your son do that that's yeah. you know i i and and both rom and cork kind of very embarrassed by
0: that and rom says so. you're never gonna go to school again and and yeah. yeah and i do think so i think in in that way like you can kind of map this to like this is the very beginning of his arc because his arc is kind of like realizing that like the, the way that he was taught to live uh, you know growing up on Franginar is like not the way that he has to live his life and in fact that like his personality actually is not really oriented towards that like his personality is about like being proud of his son and not really caring what his son does as long as he's happy and, and like you know wanting his his mom to have you know rights because their, their mom is on the show a, a few episodes and that she has kind of her own thing thing going on and and so i think it, in a way like this is kind of this is like him before he kind of makes that realization about himself um so yeah I, there's ways you can you can map it i think but it, it is a little weird certainly yeah but yeah i'm trying to think so of that's... like before we kind of talked to the about the b plot like is there was there anything you wanted to like call out about this stuff i mean it's just kind of like not really it's, like, it's uh the the you know that we didn't talk about this but like this is actually you know i watched this episode with my kids and so i was glad that at the beginning of the show like they're not too explicit about the fact that that the uh the Negus comes to the space station and he just has copious amounts of sex in the right in the, uh they, the they holo- use <laughs> a lot of
1: euphemism to, to yeah. say that
0: so I don't think my kids got what he was doing but I was like man this yeah ds9 is like absolutely like the most the horniest uh Star Trek show and yeah there's there's a lot of sex talk at the beginning and you find and you find out like that's that's like one of the things that's kind of funny about Zek, even in his subsequent appearances is that he is kind of like this very gross old man but like the show is, like, very, very, like, knowledgeable of, like, that he is gross, so you know, it it usually works pretty well but, yeah, I, uh I just it's yeah there's not really a lot to say necessarily it's just like it's just like a fun little you know comedy episode you could see little fringy and yeah and it's a, a little, fun it's a fun yeah.
1: story it is you know it's definitely one it's it's cool that that you know because I feel for most I, I would guess for maybe not most but a good number of kind of typical Deep Space Nine episodes are about the Starfleet people or like the the actual sort of crew of the space station and Quark a lot of the times is kind of the side character who like runs the bar and has a few scenes where for people like he'll sort of just be around um, and it was cool for him to very much get his own episode which I think as the show gets on it sounds like he sort of does from time to time but
0: yeah they do a pretty good job of mixing it up I read I read somewhere once that like they try to make sure they get like one or two O'Brien episodes every year because the audience loved O'Brien so much that like <laughs> if they hadn't if they had an episode where they made O'Brien miserable that people would just like feel really really bad for him and like it would have like a lot of there'd be like an audience connection there but okay. yeah I'd say like Like they they do a lot of Kira stuff and then a lot of Cisco stuff, but like yeah, they they try you generally to like like all the characters. Uh, mo- most of them anyway that like, kind of have like an arc that a lot of their character, that a lot of their stuff takes them on so like a lot of Kira's stuff is like kind of about her past with like the Bajoran militia and then like kind of integrating that with you know how she- how-, how she interacts with Cardassians and, and stuff now and like Cisco you know, has a lot of Cisco you know, has different things but like a lot of his stuff has to do with like the prophets and yeah like, qu- Quarks at a lot of the time not all the time but like a lot of the time Quarks end up kind of being continuations of this plot basically where it's like either related to the Negus or like the Commerce Guild or and just kind of like the political situation on Franginar and how those things you know play out and then mm. you know other other characters that stuff too so like you know a lot of Odo's stuff is like about where Odo came from which you you know eventually learn and then like how he relates to that stuff and you know yeah but uh yes yeah, so they do a good they do a good job I think on the show it kind of
1: yeah I mean this was was definitely one where you know so other than Quark you know Odo I think kind of made especially during the story in the second half of the episode kind of had a part to play and 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 was in it cisco was sort of going through the b plot and then all of the other characters really only have like one appearance each yeah like kira I'm, I'm pretty sure there's like one shot where she's like there sure are a lot of perengi here lately and yeah. that's like her only appearance in the whole show i think dax uh has that one dax is scene. in
0: the, the dinner scene yeah with, yeah. with cisco yeah
1: and then and Bashir, at I think after the, like invest or the assassination attempt, sort of like checks on Cork and says that he's okay or something like that.
0: Yeah, and then o- o- O'Brien is subbing for Keiko at the school, and then he has a yeah,
1: with the scene. But, with so the, yeah, he has a, I guess a couple good. scenes with that with uh, in the B plot, which yeah. is I guess we can get into that. So that's mm-hmm. so kind of the meanwhile, and they. The, the point where they kind of touch on each other crossover is is with that scene where nog gets kind of forbidden by rom to to go back to this school um because nog has been going to to the school that is usually taught by keiko but right now miles o'brien is the one that's that's teaching in the school and so him and jake go to school together and are kind of these friends that get into all this trouble together and you know cisco thinks that and and O'Brien sort of kind of comes up to him and tells him, you know, based on what he's seen in the school, that Nog's being a bad influence on Jake, who's like, Jake is a good kid, and Nog is kind of getting him into all this trouble. That um, it's always Nog's fault, but Jake goes along with it. Is kind of how that's presented.
0: But Nog is also like a very much as you kind of see like a victim of his own upbringing in a, in a similar way that that Ram is, where it's like Nog is not not a bad kid, but he's just you know the, the cultural values that his his the Frankie have are, are just very, very, like, different and kind of counter to, like, what the cultural yeah. values of the Federation is.
1: Yeah. And so then, because both Jake and Nog's, like, parents are kind of telling them, oh, you shouldn't hang out hang out with these, with, like, this other kid because they're being a bad influence on you. And, you know, and they're kind of, you know, their values are different than ours. And, and they're just not going to learn anything that's of use to you from being with them. And so they kind of briefly, like, get mad at each other and are just like, well, I'm not supposed to hang out with you. And probably we have nothing in common, so let's just never talk again. But then they kind of end up, you know, Jake is the one that uh, sort of comes up to Nog and is like, look, I like you. We sh- I still want to be friends with you, no matter what our, our fathers are telling us. And then they kind of, they run off to, Jake's like, come on, I have an idea. And they run off to sort of do something clandestine. And cisco keeps sort of asking him like what are you doing with nog all this time And jake's like well i can't tell you and so cisco thinks they're they're getting into trouble of some sort and then he has the that dinner scene with with dax where jake was supposed to be home in time for dinner and and is late and so cisco's just sitting there at his table with like a big bowl of stew and like two empty place settings and and it's baseball and his baseball which so this is the this is one of the few like notes I took about this episode is that they because Dax comes in and is like ooh like whatever kind of stew and like starts talking to him and I wrote that they they, like sit down to eat this pot of stew and Cisco just kind of keeps putting the baseball into his soup bowl
0: and spinning it around and spinning it it
1: around and it's not it's like a dirty looking baseball too it's clearly like used baseball it's not like and then I mean I'm sure it's replicated and so it's technically sterile but it I don't know And then Dax does this thing where she just kind of like takes, she takes a fork and like dips it into the pot of stew and takes it out and then kind of like puts it in her mouth, even though there's clearly like nothing on it because it's a fork. And it was just like, they really like apparently don't know how to eat soup, but (laughs) yeah. And, and then at the end, like after Cisco leaves, she like ladles a big bunch into her plate because she gets excited to eat it. And I'm sure it's one of those things like um, just how when you're, you know, when you're filming, especially for television, like you're filming something that involves eating. You can't actually eat every take because the actors get like super full and super uncomfortable if they keep eating and are doing yeah. like multiple takes of a scene. Um, and so they just find ways to kind of like fiddle like with their food or their yeah. play settings. It's sort of like, I don't know if you've ever seen the... Oh, and I, I forget who does it i'd like to actually credit it but there's a there's a youtube i think it's on youtube or like somewhere on the internet there's a, a series of videos that's feel like awards for outstanding achievement in acting with an empty cup um oh, no i haven't seen one <laughs> it's it's like people that are like you know tr- holding like a cup or a mug or something that's clearly intended to have liquid in it but the way they're like carrying it or waving it around like clearly yeah. it's completely empty Mm -hmm. but yeah and so Dax gives him really like not super great parenting advice which is like if you want your kid to do something just go like hunt him down and make him do it and Cisco's like yeah I'll do that and like goes off to find Jake
0: yeah I'm not sure that it's like supposed to be good advice though because she because she says she says basically like that I've been a parent multiple times and I wasn't very good at it and then he goes and he goes off and then obviously he realizes that like he should have trusted his kid
1: Yeah, because what he finds out is that because like Nog was forbidden to go to school but still like wants to learn that when they're sort of running off and hiding together, what they're doing is they're going down to one of the cargo bays and Jake is teaching Nog like what he had learned in school that day and he's teaching him to read and teaching him about the the world and kind of, you know, you get this sense that Nog is one of these people that's just like incredibly hungry for to learn things and, and is getting an opportunity for it. And it's this very kind of touching scene to see like Jake teaching nog for i don't know i feel like up until that point i was not super invested in this plot of just like I, I guess in general I, I'm not a big fan of like the Star Trek parenting plots for the most part of like <laughs> sure. I any I, I mean I'm not a parent so maybe it just doesn't resonate with me as much but um but of the yeah of the like Cisco is like trying to keep his son to doing good and liking him and sometimes gets a little too mad at him and but really needs to trust him and but but I thought the ending of it was was really good and and kind of you know this real kind of nice nice scene. And you see Cisco kind of overhear them and like smiles and is proud of his son and...
0: yeah well it's it's I, I thought it was very like sweet and I think also it's a it's a thing too where for Rom too I think this is also or not for Rom sorry I can always mix up Rom and Nog's names but like for for Nog this this is definitely like I think like the first episode of Ra- of Nog's journey of like you know Nog ends up being he ends up like being a he goes he goes he's the first friend he'd ever go to Starfleet and he you know ends up having like he ends up being like a war hero um in the minion war and stuff and um and so like i think this really is like kind of his like first step so it's very cool for that but then yeah like as someone who i am a parent and i i i think i have a a little bit more tolerance for this stuff than probably than some people who aren't parents are i think the first part of it is kind of like kind of whatever but then yeah i think that that scene is good and then i especially really like the scene at that happens at the very end like when when cisco just sees jake somewhere and then he kind of you know, Jake says I don't even remember what Jake says, but he says something like, Oh, sorry, I was late for dinner or whatever. And he's like, he's like, Oh, that's okay. And he gives him a big hug, and like, I think that
1: yeah just that he's like so like proud of his son and kind of overcome with emotion to yeah Yeah, it felt it felt
0: very yeah it felt very real to me like this kind of the thing that you get sometimes where like you love your kids no matter what but then like every now and then they'll they'll do something where you're like they'll they'll kind of like surprise you in like how and how like generous of spirit they can be and i think that like that's just like a very like touching moment as a parent and i could i feel like i really could see cisco feeling that And, and even though like jake is like not one of my favorite characters on the show like I, I I like him more than Wesley but like I think especially as he actually as he gets older I find him like a little bit less less interesting than he even when he's when he's a kid but like I think that uh Avery Brook, Brooks does a really good job of like portraying like a dad who like really really like loves his son and his son is really important to him you know he only has one kid and he's his wife has died and stuff and so like his son is like kind of his world and I think that Avery Brooks does a really good job in that scene and just a lot of scenes with with Jake where it's, like, even if not all the Jake stuff is great, although certainly there are good Jake episodes. I mean, we've seen like in the cards, which is I still think what like, probably one of my favorite episodes of DS9, mm-hmm. the baseball card episode, which is a Jake episode. But like, um, oh, that episode's so good. <laughs> Kim and I, Kim and I watched that, uh, and that scene where where that guy says to them, "I have a question for you. Do you want to die?" <laughs> and they're both like, "Not really." It's, it's still, it's so good. But anyway, you know, Even when I'm not loving Jake, like, I think that like Avery Brooks does a great job at like kind of playing those emotions. So I yeah. enjoyed that uh, too. I thought it was it was very sweet. So yeah, just like a, I don't know, a good, not necessarily like a super deep episode, but just kind of like, uh, it, it, I think a good example of like I think I've said this before on the show, but that like one of the the things that i like about ds9 is that they tackle a lot of like big topics but also like there's sometimes on the show it's basically like a sitcom where it's like we're gonna have like this thing happening and then we have like an a plot and maybe a, or a b plot and maybe a c plot where like these things are happening and they kind of just like
1: yeah they just kind of like some hijinks ensue and
0: Mm -hmm. and they live in like this persistent world where it's like even if you're not seeing all of like the characters all the time you know where you are in a way that you don't always Mm -hmm. like on Mm -hmm. on another show where it's like oh now we're on this planet like and so i think this is like a good i think a pretty good example of like ds9 in uh sitcom mode for lack of a better word
1: yeah yeah it was a fun one some Entertaining television, which yeah, you know, what more can we really ask for?
0: <laughs> well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we come out every other Sunday, so the next time that we do an episode, it's going to be on Judgment, which is uh, a season two, episode nineteen uh, entry in Enterprise, Star Trek Enterprise. Which we, it's been a little while since we've done one of those, so uh, we'll we'll do that one next. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at contracts. You can uh, visit our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com, or you can email us at out of contracts at gmail.com contracts is spelled c-o-n-t-r-e-k-s also I just set up uh, a YouTube channel that I think will be auto posting our episodes so if you oh cool like that or if you, uh, if you if that's the way you like to listen to episodes or if you know someone who might like the show but doesn't want to download some of the podcatcher or whatever I think you can push them that way that's also out of contracts, it's all one word so you can check it out check us out there and uh, you can also listen to the other shows on uh, the Kaleidoscope Media Network which we're a part of there's Here's Johnny which is a horror media podcast there's that's not how science works which hopefully in a month or so i'm guessing we'll we'll have another crossover episode with them fingers crossed so that'll be that'll be fun and there are science yeah science and pop culture podcast and then uh there's also wizard studies which is a harry potter podcast so check any of those out and we'll see you guys in a couple weeks thanks
1: thanks everybody bye